0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to this week's episode of The Hollywood Podcast, covering the latest in film, TV, streaming, and social media. I'm your host, Max Geshwind. Stay tuned for today's episode. Darcy Rose Burns, thanks so much for chatting with me today. Um, I spoke with one of your fellow cast members, Tisha Custodio, on one of my recent episodes. Um, you currently star in Big Shot, which is a new series out on Disney+. Plus. Um, it's currently coming out with episodes. They just dropped episode eight the other day. I have a couple more lined up. Um, the series follows a temperamental coach played by John Stamos, who's fired from his current job. Um, he was a you know coach over at a college and now he ends up at this elite girls private high school which you attend. Now you don't play one of the basketball no. players um, but you play one of the romantic love interests of one of the pl- people who actually are mm-hmm. um, playing and that is Mouse who's played by Tisha, um, studio, yeah. I, I, full disclosure, had the privilege of working with you, Tisha, <laughs> and everyone on Big Shot. It's great to see you again, Darcy, you Rose, and thanks so much for coming on. I appreciate it.
1: Thank you for having me. I'm so happy to, well, for people listening at home, I'm seeing your face. I'm seeing the yes. lower half of your face, which I've actually never seen before. This
0: is the first yeah. time. Yeah, yeah, you never saw it in mm-hmm. all the months that we were filming the show, nope. so nope. I want to start at the beginning. Mm. Um when did you sort of i assume your agent brought you this project what was your initial reaction when you read the script and how did you what did you think from the get-go about harper um as a character yeah. in a series? well
1: fun fact my introduction to harper was not as harper
0: mm-hmm.
1: before before harper makes her entrance in 103 i was originally up for the pilot in which there was a character named avery and mm-hmm. avery kind of became what is harper now and, and In the first, in the pilot, she, it was just fun. It was all of that um, kind of shtick, and she was like the foil, and she had a catchphrase. It was hilarious. And the pilot, just in general, was just brilliant. And I knew it was something I wanted to be a part of. And, you know, they ended up kind of reworking it and bringing Avery back into 103 with a more stronger. not necessarily stronger, but just a different introduction. And that's what Harper became, and they brought me back in, and it was kind of smooth sailing from there on. It was just it was so fun. I said, "Have a wonderful Westbrook Day a lot. Mm-hmm. I know that's how I, I left the the audition the first time. I think i I think I popped back into character before I left and said, "Have a wonderful Westbrook Day." <laughs> and then slammed the door. Uh, and I was like, all right, well, we'll see what happens." And you know, I worked out. so. So
0: did, <laughs> really fun. Yeah. So that's interesting. So yeah. there was a character named mm-hmm. Avery that it didn't end up being in the series. But how different was Avery to Harper? Was it two like completely mm-hmm. different characters?
1: No, it was pretty much the same character. Okay. Uh, there was there was slightly different things. Like she had different um, a different attack, but her goals and her her purpose in the script, like her function. As, as a character, not not the person, like what is in her mind, but the function as far as the script is concerned was pretty much the same. Uh, I was still just kind of a needle in in Marvin Korn's side for, for both of those first intro uh, episodes. It was just the second time it was as, you know, a journalist. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and I was prepped going in, you know, Ken Miller, Nikki Falco Casting told me like when I came in again, they're like, this is this is the same thing this is, yeah. this is what she was. So just do the same exact thing. And here we are.
0: What was that audition process? Like, I assume you auditioned in front of like Dean and Bill, you know, the EPs of the show. Um, no, no. What was that like? And Oh, okay. But I'll also love to know. So tell me a bit about that. Just the audition yeah. process, but then tell me what sort of the, were there any chemistry tests? Because I think an essential component of your character is making sure that you click well with, um, the, you know, Tisha who ended up being, you know, your love interest in the show, was there any sort of tests for chemistry?
1: You know, there wasn't actually. Oh, okay, interesting. I think there was a lot of casting on Faith. I think they kind of, I, I think partially they could see that it was gonna work. And I think they didn't know what it was they wanted to work 100%. I think it became something. So I'll, I'll go back to the beginning. So yeah. when I auditioned for Avery, my manager called me afterwards and she said okay so they cut the part but if they told me that if they ever bring the part back they'll pin you again i said i was pinned and she said i didn't tell you that okay goodbye and just hung up and that was that i'm like all right cool and so then sure enough they bring the character back it's harper they bring me back in it's it's very much hi how you doing okay it's the same thing you know we do the audition I'm all right we'll see what happens and then they they ended up booking me. And the, the funny thing is I didn't find out until, I had just finished Hair uh, with Kenny Ortega doing a, a pitch for the studios to turn into a movie. And the day after that, on Valentine's Day, actually, <laughs> kind of apropos, I get the call saying that I booked Big Shot. So then I'm going and I'm stalking everyone's social medias and checking out who am I working with, yeah. you know, in 103, It's very clear that Mouse has a crush on me, but you don't know if that's going to be reciprocated. It wasn't clear. I was brought on for three episodes originally. So I was checking everything out, going, could this be a possible love story? Like, is that something that they would be interested in? Let's check it out. And when I checked out her socials, I saw that she was already following me. So I found out later when we were close and chatting and stuff that she was actually told in January or December or something like that, that... She asked them who's who's playing Harper. And they said Darcy Rose Burns is playing Harper. So she she actually knew. Apropos to our entire relationship in the show, she always would find out things that I would be doing in the show before I did. Um so that was that was hilarious to me. Um but as far as the chemistry read and stuff, yeah, there was no chemistry reads, there was no there was no tests, there wasn't anything. It was just kind of in the room. That that's it, book. Got it. Great. Uh, but I think our chemistry read, in a way, ended up being the day that we were shooting the, the interview scene. Like, for instance, Tisha and I got on, along like gangbusters, like automatically. It was just kind of like, oh, so you're going to be one of my best friends. Cool. Good to know. Uh, we, you know, bonded over music and Shakespeare and food and all the fun stuff that friends bond over. And the second day that we met, which was the interview scene, Uh, tap too. She tap dances. We Mm -hmm. bonded over that. Uh, That second day that we met, which was the interview scene, we were just kind of joined to the hip and just chatting and singing and two-part harmony and playing ukes and all the fun stuff. And she took off the bracelet I was wearing, got down on one knee, proposed to me. I said, yes, of course. And then we, you know, sat back down and she just turned to Dean, Dean Laurie, and she was like, Dean, we're married now. He's like, all right. And to this day, it still bugs her that he hasn't gotten us an engagement gift. <laughs> That's like a running gag. She'll be like, he still hasn't gotten us a gift. Uh, so I think that ended up being our chemistry because yeah. like she asked him afterwards, like how many episodes is she slated for? And he was like, well, more now, because it was just kind of clear right away that we genuinely liked each other and that if they wanted to go somewhere with this, it, it would work there, there. You know, there would be something there to, to play with
0: so yeah I want to um follow up on that but first I want to say because I never knew knew that before that she knew that you were cast before you knew yourself yeah and not just shortly before but a couple months before because she found out you said in like December but you yourself didn't know until February
1: (laughs) so it seems like it
0: was like a little secret that was being kept from you for like a little while there
1: yeah well the same thing with the um the same thing with the music like Mm-hmm. I, I didn't find out that I was going to be writing Beth Macbeth until mid-quarantine. But she found out almost immediately after we, I sent in everything to me, the the first pitch that I, that I did to them. I sent, I, we sent everything to me. We recorded it together. Um, yeah, I, I sent it to her. Uh, it's a long story, but I'll just skip yep. to the middle part and then we can go backwards. We ended up recording a, a demo of it to send... Uh, in, at her place. We Basically, what you see in the episode is how we filmed it in her apartment on the floor in front of her couch, sit, sitting in the same, you know, relationship and everything. And we sent that in and almost immediately they were telling her, yeah, we think we're going to ask her to to write the musical. And I didn't find out until quarantine. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. Yeah, um, it's like a
1: running gag. Just tell Tisha.
0: Oh, no. Yeah. And I have to say that everything to me which is the your first song that's been showcased so far in the series was absolutely one of my favorite days on set when we shot that it was so beautiful and the connection that you two shared in that scene was just amazing to witness you know in person um i loved how it, it was being ended up as a way to intertwine the other storylines in the series at that point. Did you have any idea that that's how it was eventually gonna be edited when it came out that, I mean, it would have been great if it was on you guys during the entire two (laughs) or so minutes of the duration of the song, but the way it was used to sort of as an overture to explain the other aspects of the, you know, narrative at, at that point was truly something beautiful um, to see, I'd love to get your reaction on how your song end, ended up being used at that point.
1: yeah, yeah. so the the first song in the episode is the the two dagger song um, the my version and then Emma's oh, version. Yeah. yeah. and then the everything to me, I when I submitted it as a pitch, it it basically started as it was a joke. Um, mm-hmm. stamos was was asking, You know where they were going to go with with marper um because he could see because he was there uh, uh, that day as well he could see that there was something there and he's like what what's gonna happen like we're doing this right and dean laurie said that he wanted us to play ukes together at some point so i took that as my opportunity and i said i think mouse should write a song for me and he said a song written by mouse that would be three lines and only facts and he thought it was hilarious and i started to sing one of my other songs like well in that case and i sang him what i had already written and there was definitely kind of like a pregnant pause of like, oh, all right, that's interesting. And we went our separate ways. And then I went home and I wrote that song. I wrote that song that was three lines and only facts, you know. And at that point, it was during 103. So the only information I had about Mouse and Harper was from 103. So, you know, I texted Tisha and I asked for, you know, what does Mouse like, you know, give me more stuff about Mouse we recorded it as a demo. She actually had me rewrite the first verse because she said it was written too well. <laughs> that <laughs> Mouse was a, was not as good of a songwriter as I was. And so we recorded it at her house. We sent it in. So, you know, I didn't have any expectation of it even making it into the show, really. Um, I felt that it was special, but it's like you never know. And just having it be in the show itself would have been the win for me. But... To have it then not only become a song for Mouse and Harper, but to encapsulate all of the relationships from the storylines of that episode. Uh, You know, getting the call, it says, hey, this is going to be a montage now of all the storylines. So can you rewrite this verse and this verse so that it can uh, have to do with destiny and her mom and can you rewrite this verse um so it's lucas and emma and i'm I'm reading it and it says they're looking up at the stars and i'm like oh my gosh i'm your biggest fan i'm entranced by all you do because all the stars in the sky don't shine as bright as you perfect awesome you know like those are rewrites that i did specifically for those two moments um and actually they didn't end up using it but they had me write um i think it was like two minutes and 30 seconds of interlude music to go under that because it was you know a montage and those were all things that had to be about harper but that could also reference these other storylines as well as had to have duality in there and then from 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 then they still ended up rewriting um changing the title to the title of my song so you know going from this little tiny uke song because that's how i wrote it it was just yeah on the uke and originally it wasn't supposed to be a duet it was just supposed to be mouse and on my way there i was like i think this should be a duet and then when I got to Tisha's, she was like, "I think this should be a duet." I'm like, well, great, I already thought about that. So here's the rewrite, you know. So to, to go from a little tiny uke song that's kind of chunky in the writing and a little bit awkward at times because it's it's Mouse writing, you know, it's from Mouse's yeah. brain, to go from that to a song that ends up encapsulating all the relationships of the episode is. It's just, it's just better than I could have ever imagined. It's, it's everything to me. Honestly. Yeah. Yeah.
0: That, that's, that's amazing. Um, so what was sort of like the chain of command that you had to bring these songs that you wrote through? Like, yeah, did you have to present version. it to Dean and did that have to go to someone else after Dean? And, and I'd love to know also in addition to that, um, because I couldn't have imagined these letter later episodes going, in a different way and it seemed like this was sort of a last minute decision to like have you go ahead and write a bunch of original songs was there an alternative way that there was supposed to be this demonstration of this expression of love between you and Tisha and um at what point did that change
1: you know I don't really know a a function of quarantine you know and then not I'm not one of the writers. I'm not in the writer's room. So I'm not up on every step of the decision process. Um, I don't know if they had planned on it ending in a love story at all. I'm not sure if that was in the cards until I sent the song. Um, So I I don't know what it would have been had it not been for the song. Mm -hmm. Um, But... I just, you know, Aaron Weller and Kate Heckman wrote the episode and they just did a, a a gorgeous job all around. I mean, like me as an actor, you don't get episodes like that. It's just that often. It's just it's it's gorgeous writing for Harper. Um, but all around I think the episode is just exquisite. So, you know, I don't I don't know what they had planned. Um and it was I think last minute in some respects, as far as like Dean has been working on this show for five years, you know, before it got to to shooting. But as far as like, I ended up writing them in quarantine. We kind of had a little mini hiatus because of the pandemic. And so most of my songwriting ended up being in that hiatus. I don't know how that would have been had we worked straight through. Yeah, you know, I don't I don't know what came first, the musical or me writing the musical. I don't know. Because by the time I found out, it was already set in motion. And I didn't find out after the fact that they had already considered me doing it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but as far as the chain of command goes, um, I'm supposed to send it to the music supervisor. I didn't know that. Uh, I got a little bit in trouble, but they're not mad at me anymore. <laughs> <laughs> that was a little bit of an oopsie-daisy. So who do you there.
0: end up sending it to? Just write to Dean? Dean, or... yeah. yeah.
1: I just sent it to Dean. Yeah. Um, well, because I, I didn't, this is... I've written over 200 songs for myself, but I've never, this is the first time that I'm actually as a songwriter for right. a show. And so I didn't know the, the way you're supposed to do this, you know, and I was very quickly told what that way was, uh, but it's, it's cool. I'm, I'm, we're all on good terms. They, they like me and they want me to write more, um more scores, apparently, cause I'm apparently good at it, but I never, I remember when I first found out that there was going to be a musical, my, my chutzpah brain went like, I could write it. <laughs> like mm-hmm. very quickly. I was like, I could do that. And then I was like, no, you know, everything to me would be the win. The show already has two great composers, Phil Eisler and Alexis Scrapsis. Like, they're not gonna ask me to do it. They're gonna, they're gonna pull in the big guns. It's Disney. Right. They're gonna get the, you know, the the real people to do it. Um, <laughs> I didn't really think that I was gonna be considered one of them, <laughs> at least not so quickly.
0: Yeah, yeah that's really cool. Um yeah, that, that's awesome. And the fact that you did have this period of hiatus, I feel like that yeah. sort of was a silver lining and that gave you the time that you needed to work on
1: these yeah. songs. Yeah, like, I don't I, know I how you would have done
0: it if, you know, yeah. there wasn't that months long time. I yeah.
1: Yeah. I, it, it feels very, um, privileged to con- to consider anything from the pandemic as a silver lining but yeah. i do try to remind myself that you have to find your your happiness wherever you can even in a dark year like like 2020 was um and that that was the one for me um i i did end up writing some of the songs or, or more specifically rewriting some songs while we were filming like i actually um had my computer on set while we were shooting the dagger scene and i was rewriting the witch's song in 109 oh, wow. adding because the witch's song in 109 originally was um Three part acapella harmony, and they wanted um, piano, so I was adding piano. And then I finished that, and I was bored, so I ended up writing the overture for for *Macbeth* as well. And that I did all that in sheet music in my in my trailer. Um, but the heavy lifting I did for myself in quarantine, and um, yeah, I don't know what that would have been like had I been shooting, you know, every single day, mm-hmm. and then trying to come home and then write the music, record it, send it in, get the sheet music to the actors, and and all that stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, another song that um, you guys, or that you wrote um, Mm -hmm. was Fight for the Crown. It's sort Mm -hmm. of like the other song where you performed it opposite one of your cast members, Tisha, was one, and Sophia Mitrie Schloss Mm -hmm. is the other who also co-stars in this play Beth Macbeth," within Big Shot, Um, Mm -hmm. who, yeah, plays Emma. Um, What was it like working with Sophia on that song and spending time in the studio with her?
1: Yeah, it's a dream. You know, she... It, it's it's funny because our characters don't particularly like each other,
0: right?
1: Yeah. Um, but it's it couldn't be the more opposite in in real life. She is just she is just so full of grace, and her voice. I'm pretty sure she stole her voice from an angel. So I think whatever <laughs> angel she stole from is going to get mad at eventually. Um, you know, Tisha, I wrote everything to me. We ended up doing it as a duet, so I was part of that. I was singing it and stuff, but. Sophia was the first person that I wrote a song for that I had absolutely nothing to do with the performance of. And I just had to sit back and watch. I wasn't playing it. I wasn't singing it. I was just there. Um, I did my job. I, and I was just sat back and got to watch her record it and then watch her perform, you know, on the day. And the first time she sent me her practice of her singing the dagger song, I cried (laughs) because, and it was a twofold cry because I had never written something for someone else. So, and I stalked her page and listened to her voice and I found her range. I found her, like her tone, how she likes to sing, what she likes to do. And I, you know, wrote it specifically for her friend, you know, for what she's just impeccably amazing at. And she sent it to me. So I was, I was crying because it was, it was right. It was exactly what I had tried to do for her. So I was crying because I was like, I did a good job. But then I was crying because I couldn't imagine her doing it like this. Like with as as much research I did and how well I wrote for her voice, she just took it so much further and made it her own. And just, she just, her voice, it's an angel. She just floats. She just floats on on the music. Um, And it's gorgeous. And same, you know, with Fight for the Crown, getting to then do it with her. And again, I wrote that one for her um that part for her as well uh and she is you know tisha is my work wife and and sophia is my sparring partner is kind of Mm -hmm. like what i say uh so getting to do that with her is just incredible and i was surprised they let me do a fugue yeah, I didn't yeah. think that would get past, you know, it's, it's two separate parts. It's my part. You can say it's the A section and her part's the B section, Got and it, there's right. a weird, which is the C section, which the spoiler alert C section is revealed in it in the C section. Ha ha ha. That, my comedy brain just really <laughs> likes that part that I did that. Um, but then at the end, the A and the B part ha- happen at the same time. That's a fugue. Mm-hmm. I'm usually done with three parts, but there's only two of us in the song. so But it's still a fugue.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so, yeah, and, and it's, I'm so lucky that the, the the duets were so different, you know, like with Tisha, it was hard filming. Anytime I sing everything with me with Tisha is really hard because I just start crying. <laughs>
0: um,
1: but she just has such an honest voice and her, just she just kind of pours everything into her, into her performance. And uh, with that one, it was very intimate. You know, it was, there was Uh, you know all of you watching which was which was lovely and and made it more special um but it was just the two of us on stage on on this set so it definitely felt like our moment whereas with the duet with Sophia we were performing it in front of not only the whole crew but the entire cast as well because it was a performance we were literally on a stage in front of everyone that we work with and the lights that you see in the episode are really really happening it's not Mm -hmm after effects those lights were happening the sound cues were happening uh we were singing live but it was to the track as well because there's so many moving parts um you know the stunts were real like all of that was happening live and especially that having happened after that year of 2020 of not being able to perform on stage an entire year i had a moment after the song where we stopped and everyone started clapping and I had to, my brain went, Oh, right. Hold for applause. Like it took me a second. Cause it had been a year inside. Uh, so it was, it was just so special to get, you know, both sides of that performance coin of that intimate moment where it was just Tisha and I, and then getting to have Harper and Emma, like the characters performing um, and getting to, you know, give a little bit of theater back to our ourselves and our cast and crew, even if it's just one song done over and over and over again.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's true. I never thought about that. Like, even though it was, you know, on a set and it was, you know, part of filming, that was truly the first time in so long that you were able to perform in front of people.
1: Yeah. Um,
0: so yeah, that's really cool. Um, I want to ask a question. I asked this to Tisha, um, and I'd love to get your perspective on this, yeah. um, because this is a relationship that we don't see a lot in Disney, you know, with, you know, two women together. Was there an added pressure in portraying this relationship you had with Tisha as positively mm-hmm. and accurately as possible? Since I know that this could be very impactful and very um, inspiring for young LGBT people who are watching this series. Um, and it's such a coincidence too, because these later episodes that are coming out, kind of are coinciding with mm-hmm. pride month which pride is month, yeah. a- a- awfully something you know very special yeah. um so what what was there was there that pressure, the pressure to make sure yeah. that this looked like a source mm-hmm. of inspiration for young people watching
1: you know i don't think necessarily i think it was you know a goal of deans to make sure that it was just a love story yeah that was it it wasn't a gay love story wasn't a queer love story it was just a love story Uh, And I think that, you know, and I think that's kind of where I sit, too, in my brain. So, like, that didn't really occur to me. I knew that it was important, but it didn't occur to me as pressure because it was like, all right, just be honest. Like, that's really all you need to do. Um, And I, I think one of the special things about the way this love story is handled is that I remember when I was younger and I would write songs like when I was a kid, like songs that you're never gonna hear because I will never release them because I was like 10. Like yeah, you're yeah. not gonna hear this. Um, I thought that for a song to be relatable to everybody, it had to be vague. So there would be no gender, there would be no specifics, it'd be like, I like you person, let's mm-hmm. go to the place that we go to. Like it was very vague. So I'm like, so everyone can sing along. And then somewhere down the line I realized that the more specific you are i think the more relatable it is like i have this one song called i've got a hearth where one of the lines in it is talking about i make palaces out of pillows when i unmake the bed um just those like little moments that throughout your day that is specific to you but i think those specifics are the things that unite us and i think by focusing in on the the, the marfer love story as not being a question mark of does harper like girls but a question mark of does Harper like me, I think makes that much more relatable to everyone, because everyone has had that moment where they have a friend where they have feelings for and they don't know how to how to say it. Um, and and trying to get up the courage to do that thing. And it's and the first kiss and, and all those moments. And I think it, you know, I think by by not going, hey, guys, this is a gay love story. I think it makes it clear that Queer stories are for everyone, not just queer people, and that anyone can relate to this first love story, regardless of who you like or if you like anyone at all. Um, And I think so the pressure didn't really occur to me because it was just it was just love. Love is love. It was just kind of still and normal. There was never any there was never any tiptoeing. There was never any. Hey, are you okay with like there wasn't any of that, you know? Yeah. Um, It wasn't until we were on the day shooting and I had, you know, people coming up to us on set going, Hey, I just wanted to say thank you for what you're doing this. Like I didn't have this when I was a kid. And then it kind of started to to like sink in like, Oh no, this is okay. This is important. You know, being told after the fact that people were coming to set that weren't working that day because quote, I have to see this. Um, Then it was kind of sinking in for both of us that we were, becoming a part of something historic. Um, But there was never any, and that wasn't as much pressure as it was just, it was kind of sinking in (laughs) finally, you know? Um, Yeah.
0: And what I loved about this evolving relationship between you two is it, it's just what you said. It wasn't like, oh, Tisha likes a girl. It was just, oh, Tisha likes someone. It was just your traditional crush on someone. And there wasn't that sort of like barrier of like coming out or like, oh, does, does, you know, Harper, does she also like girls? It was just, it was so traditional. It was so universal. Um, and it was just so normal how it was yeah. showcased they it wasn't a big deal wasn't made about it right. which right. i was i love to see it was it was amazing seeing yeah. it just that, that, that there's way. no
1: there's no need for coming out stories because that is a part of the story as well right. but that's not always has to be the first thing you focus on Right. like it always have to be that you know and and who knows maybe you know 10 years from now 20 years from now 5 years from now there won't be a thing that's coming out because it'll just be like, ah, oh, it's never in. Like, you know, maybe showing stories like this in that way will make that, you know, there won't be any closets except for the yeah. clothes in your closets. Um, yeah. But this I,
0: really, I, yeah, go ahead.
1: <laughs> I I knew that one of the question marks though would be, but why does she like Harper? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Harper, really? Yeah, no? yeah. Um, And that's and that was the driving force of everything to me and how I wrote that was because I, I think, you know, Mouse is such a sweet character and and Harper is a very complicated character, but on her surface is not a very nice one. Mm -hmm. So I I was trying to address that question mark that I thought might come up, which is this is this is what this is what Mouse sees in Harper. It's, you know, all the trivial things. You write with your left hand, you drink with your right hand. You hung opera songs that don't recognize or understand. Every Monday at lunch, you get um, sal instead of French fries and you don't always smile with your eyes. It's, it's you know, she sees what's underneath, what, what Harper doesn't let anybody else see. And I think you see that a little bit more. Um, and that was actually specifically a note too from Ron Underwood. Um, the director.
0: The,
1: uh, the director, thank yeah. you. Yeah. During 108, there was... um a scene at the, at the lockers uh, when I'm complaining about Emma that I was just being Harper and I was, you know, and he came up to me and he, and he just said, not with her and walked away. And I was like, Oh got it you know? And so I, that's a really gorgeous thing that you see a whole different la- layer of Harper through through how Mouse sees her, um, which I think is beautiful.
0: Mm -hmm. And, you know, we haven't seen so many. I I feel like here and there, we might have seen LGBT relationships within Disney. But this is truly, I think, trailblazing to see this on screen for, you know, a Disney audience to see. And it's expressed through the Pride Month whole Mm -hmm. social media campaigning of, you know, because this relationship is featured within the lexicon of, you know LGBT relationships that are have been told through Disney stories. Um, you know you're there with like High School Musical, the series, which I know has its own sort of LGBT relationship. So it's great to see that representation being showcased now by Disney throughout the month, which is really cool. Yeah,
1: I'm uh, I'm just particularly proud of the kiss. I know that yes. was it shouldn't be a big deal, but that is, and I'm very happy that that we got to do that.
0: Yeah. So I want to move on and I want to ask about what it was like working with all these other very Mm. talented actors. You talked about working with Sophia, working with Tisha. What was it like working with the rest of the group of girls? I know you mostly worked with Sophia and Tisha, so if there isn't that much to add, that's okay. But um, what, what was it like working with the rest of the group? But also I wanna know what it was like working with these vets. Obviously you had John Stamos, but you also had your mom, Kathleen Rose Perkins, who's amazing in this show. She's so funny, so hilarious. Um, and were there any sort of, you yourself have been working since you were incredibly young. So I don't know what more there is to teach you, but w- <laughs> w- w- was there any, um, lessons you learned about acting or working in the industry from working alongside these vets like Stamos or Kathleen or Yvette Nicole Brown or Jessalyn mm-hmm. or Robert Robichaud. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, you're just listing like incredible people like
0: Richard Robichaud. Any,
1: <laughs> any single person, you know, on this show is, is incredibly talented. I mean, we have Marla Gibbs, we have Cameron Manheim. I mean, like, how, how do you, oh, people are just incredibly, incredibly talented and just working with them. You're learning, even if you don't know, even if they're not, you know, sitting you down and say, do you have a pencil? Like you're, you're still learning just by being in a scene with them or just from watching the scenes that they're doing, because it's just a masterclass on how to do it right. Uh, I would say like specifically Yvette pulled me aside and gave me some advice that made me cry. That was just so beautiful. It was, it was after the, the fight for the crown um, scene uh, she said she told me um don't ever hide your gifts from the world even the ones you think the world isn't ready for mm-hmm. was what she said um, and it was it was it was just she's so supportive um and it was incredibly talented you know just the whole cast I mean wow I, getting to improvise with with Kathleen Rose Perkins is just a dream come true and they're just all so talented I mean I'm consistently blown away by Jessalyn every single episode and Stamos is just killing it I mean like it's just it's so much fun I'll have my ice cream stolen by Stamos any day you know yeah (laughs) that was him that was a prop
0: (laughs) that's funny um yeah it truly is just such an incredible cast and uh, there was similar sentiment with when I talked to Tisha the other week and how Yvette would, you know, be so inspiring and share words of wisdom on set with her also. That's great. Yeah. Um,
1: Grace. She just is full of grace. You know, she really looks out for everybody.
0: Yeah. Um, Now I want to ask, I thought of this last night after, because I finished the series. um, I I, like binged, I binged the last three episodes all in one day yesterday to get ready for chatting with you. Um, and, you know, listening to all these songs, I'm thinking, like, are these going to be on Spotify? Where can we, like, keep listening to them? iTunes, like, are they going to be on the platforms? Will there be a Big Shot original TV series soundtrack album coming out? Like, where where can people, like, listen to these if they want to go back and listen to these songs? Or do they have to go back to Disney Plus and just watch You know, <laughs> like, click the episodes?
1: Yeah, that, that is actually not a question that I have the answer to. But I have gotten okay. that question um, quite a bit. So you know feel free to ask disney i don't,
0: <laughs> so it's, I don't sort of, it's sort of in their corner like I mean, they no, we, sort
1: we of have them, them in our pocket we you know the the overture the witches song uh fight for the crown everything to me the dagger song with the witches that i recorded on that those are all professionally recorded by eve nelson we had uh, the, the overture i recorded i played the flute and the boron for um so we have we have those tracks and we certainly could do it uh it's just a, you know, a question mark of if and how and when. So have there, been, mean, any, I'm have
0: there, have there been any conversations about releasing these songs on those platforms or not? Um,
1: not that I'm privy to.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, I'm, I'm not from like, I, I don't know what they've been talking about, but I, I did ask, because we did um, the dagger song, uh, which we obviously we recorded in the studio, but we recorded live as well on the day, which is what's in the show. But, we recorded the entire thing of the dagger song. You're only seeing this, the, the last, what is it? 30 seconds. You are only seeing like the last 30 seconds of the song. We recorded the whole thing and the same with everything to me, we recorded the entire thing. Um, I was, I was very insistent on making sure we recorded the whole thing for every angle. So we, if they wanted to turn them into music videos, we have the angles for all for the whole song. Uh, so that, that, that's definitely a, a conversation that I've brought up, but, um, you know, we'll, we'll see. I mean, I would, mm-hmm. I would love that. That'd be so much so fun.
0: So you're basically saying it's all there. The full recordings are all there. If ever one day Disney wants to do that. That's funny. Yeah.
1: You know, let's write in. Yeah.
0: Um, I want to ask because, <laughs> <laughs> um, I know you've done a lot of voice work, a lot of ADR work, a lot of dubbing mm-hmm. over the past several years. Um, yeah. the and Correct me if I'm wrong, but with Big Shot, it seems like this is the first time that we're actually seeing you, Darcy Rose, on screen physically in quite some time. Mm -hmm. Um, I believe since probably Desperate Housewives, so like nearly a decade ago is like the first time we've seen you on screen. So I'd love to just get your thoughts on, you know, was going into voice work exclusively over the past several years, was that natural? Was that a natural move? Was that concerted on your end and like how you wanted your career trajectory to be like? Um, And also, was there some sort of relief or satisfaction you had in, you know, finally being seen on screen with Big Shot, which, you know, you had in in a little bit of time?
1: Yeah, well, so VoiceOver (laughs) was definitely like, um, I wanted to do uh, more education Cause yes. like for, okay, I'm going to just go back to me now, but um, for <laughs> my entire career, I was, you know, studying at the same time. And then when Desperate Housewives ended, it was like, okay, I think maybe I can, ha- I was on uh, three voiceover shows at the time, or maybe two, you know, Sophia the first and as Princess Amber, the speaking and singing voice, and then Legend of Korra, um, Icky. And I think, I don't know if I was on Spirit Riding Free at that point, uh, Maricella, but that was also in the mix. Uh, so all three at the same time at one point
0: yeah
1: uh so it I just kind of looked at the cards and went I have the ability and the moment to study I never did Shakespeare you know growing up because I was constantly working and Shakespeare is not really something that not that's not valued here but it's not focused on so I went to RADA for a short course and I had I auditioned and was accepted into four schools in the UK and Ireland. Uh, Royal Central was one of them. And the Lear, which is part of RADA and part of Trinity. And I was going to go to school in in the UK or Ireland, uh, British and Irish Academy of Modern Music, uh, BIM, was another one. And, you know, I I got into the four schools, but then I ended up (laughs) still staying in L.A. because... I was still working here. It didn't make sense. And I went to Michael Howard's studio to study Shakespeare with Patsy Rodenberg, who, if you like Shakespeare, she's like the Shakespeare whisperer right now. She's just absolutely incredible. So I just kind of, and then I came back, when I came back to LA, I started doing studying improv at UCB and then musical improv. And then I was on their mess hall team power play, which was a musical mess hall team. We did musical improv. Uh, so I just, I really focused on studying because I was doing so much voiceover. I had the ability and the time to do so. And which, you know, worked out in the long run because my love for Shakespeare is one of the reasons they asked me to write Beth Macbeth, you know. Uh, And with voiceover, like I was able to record and stuff while I was away. I recorded in New York for Princess Amber, the the Who I Am song, which is one of my favorite songs we recorded in New York when I was studying uh, with Patsy. So it was definitely, you know, uh, I, I wanted to take more time to, you know, acting as a craft, and I wanted to make sure I had all of my ducks in a row, and voiceover gave me the uh, the time and ability to do that, and I was able to go and like have some fun and still be working at the same time. So yeah, it was great.
0: Um, <laughs> but but I bet it must feel like so great to finally right, be, the be on effect. screen yeah uh
1: I, I think the thing i was most excited about uh, well it was it was funny like you said it had been a while so it was kind of funny that i you know back on camera and then the world shuts down it's like oh yeah. all right cool uh <laughs> just the sorry, world guys.
0: telling you like no, no, no. T- back to the booth like <laughs> yeah. n- uh this isn't happening paramount who like no
1: <laughs> get avery they write her out of the show yeah, get yeah. Avery, they shut down the entire country yeah the entire world cool yeah. sorry guys my fault yeah um, you know, but I was able to do stage throughout the entire time as well. And I That's shifted right. into stand-up as well. I'm a musical comedian and I won the Burbank Comedy Festival my first time out, my first performance. But I uh, did the Hollywood Fringe. About I did six shows in there, five of them that I didn't, uh, that I, you know, wrote and produced myself. So I didn't really feel like I was away. I just felt like, all right, I'm doing this, cool. Like it didn't ever occur to me as being a timeout because it wasn't, I was still working. Um, But I I think the thing that did sit with me as being new or different was the fact that I was singing on camera. Uh, I did that for, you know, commercials and stuff when I was a kid. And Mm -hmm. actually my first scene in the Young Young and the Restless when I was five, I was singing in the the Christmas episode. But this is the first time that I'm singing like featured songs and they're also my own songs. So it's, you know, I I sang probably over a hundred songs for Sophia the First, but it was animation. This is the first time I'm doing that on camera with my own stuff. So that's that that was the thing that kind of stuck out as me as being different. Everything else just felt like same old, same old, you know,
0: in mm-hmm. a good way. Yeah, obviously. definitely. Um now I want to ask, were there any um because you mentioned, you know, performing live at UCB and you know, doing live, you know, stand up comedy as the world's reopening, do you have any plans to return to live oh. performing? Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah I, I definitely am a little gun shy about how and when just because I want to make sure it's safe for all parties involved. Mm-hmm. Um, but as you know, we're constantly I'm in talks with my friend who produced my um, indie improv show here in L.A., uh, Q48, and we're talking about when to start back up and when it's safe to to re- start redoing, you know, music improv nights and how can we make it fun and safe at the same time like can we have a a best mask contest Mm -hmm. like how can we you know make sure that it feels normal but it also feels safe and you know I'm I'm vaccinated I think almost all of the people that we're talking to who want to do the musical improv nights again and and who didn't do it before but want to join us um are all would all be vaccinated you know by the time we we do that so it's definitely just a logistics thing so I, I don't you know, especially knock on wood, if we get a season two, I don't want to be taking extraneous risks that could shut the production down uh, by by performing live if it's going to, you know, uh, affect, get me sick and then bring that back to the show. So mm-hmm. definitely trying to figure out a way to do it safely. But I mean, I did Quarantunes. I did, you know, parodies throughout quarantine. I saw
0: that yeah, on your YouTube channel. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. I saw it. Yeah, yeah, thank you. I you. it's. Thank you. Yeah, so I I kept doing it, but um, there, you know, there really is something special about, about you know, live chasing the dragon as far as that first laugh goes, you know.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, and, and- it ought to
0: be so encouraging to see, you know, this reopening and. In indoor con- concert venues, outdoor concert venues, like all these, you know, live performance areas are being sort of reopened and season schedules are being, you know, released. So it ought to be so encouraging for live performers like yourself to see this reopening and sort of getting back to normal.
1: It is, yeah. I think, you know, comedy is in particular is, is as far as entertainment goes, is so um, uplifting and uniting so being able to have that opportunity again to do that live in a room is is really great um i also i was at a loss as far as my own original musical comedy because you know i was a a princess on disney jr and now i'm on big shot which is also disney and my musical comedy is not exactly for the little ones Uh, you know, I played a princess, I'm not that kind of princess. So <laughs> my musical comedy is not stuff that can exist online, at least not at this point. So when you know, the world shut down, I kind of was like, well, I guess that's done for now. Because I, I can't post my routines online, mm-hmm. because I don't want the little ones finding it. You know, the stuff I do in the clubs is not the things that I post online. Um,
0: yeah.
1: So but, but you do
0: have funny. some, you do have some online, right? Like, I know you've performed at Flappers. And so that's yeah. posted right? Yeah.
1: On YouTube? Oh, is it? Oh, goodness. I think so.
0: Okay. So, so that wasn't from your <laughs> no. channel. It was from no. other people. No.
1: Yeah. no, I don't, I don't post it myself. Um, yeah, you know, if the, the club posted it, that's, that's fine. Uh, Cause I, I, at least, at least with that too, it's the club posting it. Yeah. So I think there's a little bit of an expectation that this is club comedy, you know, yeah. but as far as like my own personal social medias, um, I definitely try to censor it a little bit, uh, as far as my own brand of comedy I do online. I kind of does it past the sniff test and yeah
0: you're still in the Disney orbit. You want to be palatable for all ages. Um well hopefully you get to return to those venues like that. I'd love to come see you perform live on stage. I'd
1: love to harass you on stage. It'd be so much
0: absolutely pick me out in the audience, make fun of me. Do do your thing. But I will (laughs) yeah. Um, (laughs) You mentioned As season two, have you heard anything? Are there conversations being started? Any whispers?
1: Mm-hmm. Um, not, not that I'm privy to. No. Okay. Um, you know, I, I feel pretty confident about it. I feel like we have a really special show. Um, I, you know, it's brilliantly written. It's brilliantly directed. The cast is incredible. Yeah, you know, props, set design, everything. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, fun trivia fact: uh, set fair. design, the everything to me that's Harper's bedroom, and it, it, we, we like, I freaked out because the room I just thought was perfect, and I, I once read there was a joke that said that every Irish person has a copy of Dubliners somewhere in their house they don't remember how they got there, <laughs> um, and I'm a dual citizen, I'm an a yeah. dual
0: citizen
1: in, in um, Ireland, and sure enough, there was a Dubliners copy on the bookshelf for harper and i was like are you kidding me
0: did you would. put it there no.
1: no i didn't i know <laughs> right it's like I
0: know. yeah yeah
1: um but no that was just all props like they're they're on it you yeah. know i'm pulling some out from the, from the locker and they're yeah. in there and Renee's like do you want your do you want your script your you're about to back script because you're talking about now you have to audition so you want this right like, yes yeah. brilliant there was twinkly lights and i'm and my room is full of twinkly lights. it was just so cool um but yeah i mean season two i'm you know I'm down I've I've pitched ideas
0: <laughs> yeah I, I I mean you've pitched songs so I'm not surprised that you've pitched full-on narrative arcs for the second season that's not a surprise yeah. um well hopefully it happens I mean I know streaming platforms in general don't release viewing numbers but I yeah. bet Big Shot is being seen very widely I mean it's right there when you launch the platform it's right there on the cover of the you know streaming service tons of people I bet click on it and the reviews have been great. I I know the score on Rotten Tomatoes is high. So it seems like all of the tea leaves are there for a second season to get so. the go-ahead. So not I'll say, fun. you
1: know what I'm probably most excited about with the world opening back up and stuff is, is this is a very self-serving thing to be excited about. But yeah. I want to okay. perform at Brad Garrett's um, club in Vegas. Yeah. He has an amazing club in, in Vegas. And he, of course, is one of the co-creators of the show. Mm-hmm. Um, that would be a fun little full circle for me, I think would be really fun to do so that, that, that those are like the the thing in my head of like the when the world is open if we're still on hiatus if you know we haven't gotten picked up yet or we are but we haven't started yeah. yet you know
0: Take advantage. Days, right? yeah had, had you ever spent any FaceTime time with him because I know he was never on set but did you ever
1: no unfortunately not no. you know I think the the pandemic really kind of kicked us in the butt as far right. as we, we got a little bit of face time with the writers, you know, when we first started up, but I, you know, that, that is something that we weren't really able to do. Uh, you know, technology really helped like getting to, you know, see Don Soler and talk to Don Soler, who was, was one of the music supervisors on the show. And the, I'm going to get it wrong. The VP of ABC music, I think, mm. I think that's her title. I'm probably going to get it wrong, um, but she's amazing. Um, you know, I got to see her through, through Zoom and stuff, but. But we definitely, there wasn't as much socializing as possible. Um, I owe Donna coffee, though, when the world opens back up. But I would I would love to, um, you know, chat with Brad. He's he's brilliant. And um, the show is, you know, brilliant. So I, yeah, would love to chat with
0: him. Sort of a last question. If there are any projects that you're currently working on since Big Shot Wrapped a few months ago, what have you been doing since? Um, or have you just been chilling, which is also very you you're you're you you should chill after having worked for the past year composing songs and playing Harper um, so that's much deserved but have you been working on anything or is there anything you're about to work on
1: uh, kind of yes to all of that so um, for my own personal fun I have been kind of going through my 200 some songs and recording them here at home and you know I've written them already but I never knew where to start recording just because there was a lot of them and, and they're all different styles. So I didn't know where to start, but I just kind of went, I'm just going to start doing that. I have the time. I'm going to do it. So I've just been kind of going through song by song and writing them. There's a musical I think I'm writing um, mostly because I just keep writing songs for these characters and they won't kind of stop. They won't leave me alone. So I, I think that's going to, that'll probably take me a minute, but that's happening yeah. in my brain. Uh, before I was booked on Big Shot, I actually wrote a Comedic adaptation of Macbeth called Juliet Hereafter. Uh, mm-hmm. So it was very Kismet. Then I was asked to write the comedic, you know, musical adaptation that was also gender bent called mm-hmm. Beth Macbeth. Um, so that was kind of Kismet. But I wrote that in December, I think, bef- like way before I even auditioned for Big Shot. So when the world opens back up, I probably will do something with that. And I have an animated pilot that's, you know, in the works and um, a game that I can't talk about just yet also, Leo. um, all I can say for that is 2022. Mm-hmm. That'll be um, I'm, I'm just biting my nails waiting for the day I can talk about that. Because I'm, I'm, it's, it's been quite a while we've been recording and I'm, I'm, I'm psyched.
0: Yeah. And that's awesome, too, that you're going back to those 200 plus songs you've written and mm-hmm. are finally recording them. And I assume you'll be putting it out on YouTube or something for people to listen to.
1: You know, mm-hmm. I'm not sure how I'm going to put it out or when. Um, you know, I'm, I've been having meetings, uh, with, with people for sync. Mm. So I'm, I'm a little bit touchy about releasing things before they're ready because some shows don't want them if they've already been out there. Other shows don't care, uh, but it depends. So I'm kind of sitting on them for the moment and seeing, you know, if a song wants to, if a show wants to buy it for sync, well, then I would, I would release it because it's going to be in a TV show. Um, but the the whole business side of the music industry is something that I've kind of fallen into. And so I'm, I'm figuring that out as I go, like, what is the best way to, to approach this and label, no label Uh, you know, my, my singer songwriter, guitar stuff, my jazzy uke stuff, my, my rock piano, my, my funk piano. I, I don't know. So I'm, I'm, I'm going, I got, I got a music agent and she's kind of helping me figure it out, but or step by step.
0: <laughs> That's great, and I've stalked yeah. your IM. I've stalked your IMDb. It, it seems like there's this upcoming project, Arthur Prescott. Oh, yeah.
1: Yeah,
0: what, yeah. What's that? Is that it's a short comedy horror?
1: Yeah, film? that was a. Um, it, well, actually, what we what we filmed was the um, the kind of the pitch, but it's. It's in a process of uh, metamorphosis. It it might be becoming a animation, actually. Wow. Uh, A lot of the people that were in it, that's, this is much more a question for q 40 the producer, but one of the, uh, most of the cast are also voice actors. So when the pandemic hit, it was kind of a question mark of, hmm, maybe all these people already do this. So maybe we should talk about this as an animation. Um, So that's, that's, you know, that's in process. We'll see what, where that goes, but that's really fun. I played a character called Barbie.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And uh, yeah, she, uh, she's very concerned about her face.
0: Okay, <laughs> that's a good tease.
1: Yeah, I, I remember they made me scream at one point and then I think I, and they were just like, just do whatever. Cause it was very improv heavy, mm-hmm. the promo in there. And so they made me scream and I said, oh, stop it, you're gonna give me lines the other one is, this is my good side. This is also my good side. Thanks, daddy. So.
0: (laughs) That's interesting though. So it's transitioning to animation after you guys already filmed it.
1: Yeah, yeah, we did that. We filmed the pitch, um, you know, to to get kind of a proof of concept. Um, But with the pandemic, everything mostly shutting down, um, it was kind of like a let's reevaluate situation. But we'll see. As the world opens back up, they might continue to do it as um, live action. And I'm, I'm not sure yet. That's something I have to actually talk to them about.
0: Yeah. And one last thing, just because mm-hmm. I forgot to ask and I'm interested. Um, you said that you obviously contributed all the songs to mm-hmm. um, Big Shot. and yes. But did you contribute the idea of the gender bending, Lady Macbeth, just because you mentioned how you're also doing your own gender bending
1: you know, musical that's, right now? or That was completely okay. his, like... Okay. In, when we were filming 104, Dean told me that there was a musical um, and that he thought that Harper was going to be in it. Okay. Unbeknownst to me, they already wanted me to write it, but I didn't know that at the time. And then when he told me that it was a gender-bent Macbeth called Beth Macbeth, I full-on cackled And I was like, "How much have you already written of this?" And he was like, "Nothing." I'm like, "Okay, I've already written this. Do you want me to send you my script?"
0: Got it. (laughs) So, so that was your opening right there. It was like perfect. It was a coincidence.
1: Well, no, that was actually during the call of him telling me what he wanted for the song. So I already was writing. Oh, got it, it,
0: got it. It was
1: just, it was just a weird bit of coincidence and kind of synchronicity that I had already um, done all the Macbeth research and stuff for my own thing. Um, and it ended up being, um, cause I offered, you know, if they wanted to use Juliet hereafter, but Juliet hereafter is a different, completely different plot. So, so we, right. we went more just Macbeth, but it's also gender bent. Whereas Juliet hereafter is a completely different story. Um, you know, but it was just kind of fortuitous that I had already been working on that. So then when it came time to doing it, I already had the those moments of from Macbeth in my brain of like, okay, I need a moment that can act as both Emma singing to Lucas about her love, but also for Macbeth. Hmm. Dagger scene. Let me look what's in the dagger scene. Ah, come let me hold thee. I have thee not. And yet I see thee still. Perfect. Okay. That works for both. Um, I was kind of already prepped my research. I had already done my research for my own thing. Um, I was already very, I I, I keep saying that I feel like me and Macbeth keep circling each other. Mm-hmm. You know, I have this weird, circular relationship with Macbeth that just keeps coming back around um which is funny because if you'd asked me before what my favorite Shakespeare play was I probably would have said Midsummer or or um Much Ado By Nothing because that was my first time doing Shakespeare I was Dogberry
0: right uh,
1: and the the head of the program gave me incredible compliments um saying I was the second best (laughs) second to only to the guy who did it at the Royal uh at the Royal Shakespeare Academy, uh, Royal Shakespeare Theatre. So I was, you know, RSC. There you go. Um, so that was incredible. But um, I just kind of locked in on Macbeth because of the joke in my head. Um, yeah, the Royal Shakespeare Company, RSC. There you go.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so I was already kind of prepped, and now Macbeth is just like very close to my heart. Um, and I threw in some Queen jokes in there as well because I was the <laughs> Amber was the Queen of the Rompkins in in Sophia the First, and then she was the future Queen of Enchancia, and then Dean told me I was going to be playing Beth Macbeth. So I was Queen Macbeth. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I very often joke that I'm the once and future queen because I very mm-hmm. much love that and may or may not be writing a book series on it. Uh, never <laughs> <know>. But <laughs> so it was just, there's a whole bunch of synchronicity going on. Some of it was my doing, a lot of it just felt like it was written in the stars, which is, you know, just very fortuitous.
0: Mm-hmm. Once a queen, always a queen for oh, sure.
1: Yes. um well kind of princess
0: yes yes <laughs> um well that's amazing thanks so much Darcy for chatting with me it seems like you're you're still working you're still writing your music and we still have two more big shot episodes i mean even though i i finished the thing um have you you've seen the whole series
1: <laughs> not yet series? no i get to watch it with everybody that's else one by that's one
0: crazy they don't give some you early, early access episodes. well over... some
1: of the early episodes we all watch together um okay like, but um, from this point on, it's I, I get to see it with everybody else, which I'm I'm actually quite enjoying. I watch it at midnight every Thursday, or technically Friday.
0: But that's so weird that I got to see it before someone like you. Like the rest <laughs> of the series, I feel like I was so I'm so not worthy.
1: Um, well, no, you uh, you kept us yeah. safe.
0: Well, I mean, well, you're you're gonna love these last two episodes. I can assure you that. Um, it, it's so great how it ends. Um, yeah. June. 11th and June 18th with the mm-hmm. finale are the last two episodes on Disney+. Plus. Um, Darcy Rose, thanks so much for chatting with me. I really appreciate it. you
1: Max. Thank you so much.
0: Thanks so much for tuning in. Please take a moment to subscribe to The Hollywood Podcast for free on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. Until next time, you can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Max Geshwin Thanks for listening.